It is time to tune up the band and enter with no entrance music, which is always a bad sign, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chin Wag podcast. I am Sam, alongside Reardon and Dan, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Good afternoon, chaps, on this very, very warm afternoon. It's like heat wave, wave time, baby. Like episode 10. Yes, heat wave time, baby. Throwback and a half, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least God. it isn't, what, 37 like it was yeah. last year? To be quite well, honest. Say, at least I'm not stuck in an office that had blackout blinds. Oh, oh no. No. None <laughs> of that. None of that. No, to be honest. Of all the heat waves that we have had over the years, this is the most bearable, I'd say. If you can like, say that. <laughs> it hasn't been painful. Like, I will say I was uh, out yesterday uh, at, you know, out of function mm. uh, at, like, 5 o'clock. And, my God, it was, like, uh, I was sweating quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> just me taking, like, people just like, oh. I was like, I need to be in the shade right now. This is why I invested in a fan today. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> Alrighty then. Uh, as ever, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely, lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and always be pending other platforms. You know how we do. Indeed. Indeedy. Uh, also, Always, in this heat wave, it is important for two things. It's important to stay hydrated, and it's important to always be pending. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, we also give you... Uh, we also, actually, I should say, on Project Dits every Wednesday. Uh, it's lovely still being on Dits. Uh, just, yeah. just when we just chatted recently this week and talking about some of the really uh, of the really good numbers and it's really awesome to see how positive how much of a positive reaction we've had to being on project it since we were there it's really freaking cool it's 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 rather odd it's rather odd i must say but (laughs) i like it Thank you. <laughs> no, we, we really do appreciate everyone that has listened over on Project Dits. We really do appreciate that love and support you've given us. So thank you ever You're so amazing. much. So as we said a couple of weeks ago as well, we are also finally on Patreon. Uh, if you would like, dear listener, to listen or, or contribute uh, to the silly things we've got going on in our head for future ideas and projects, be sure to visit uh, patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag where you get to look at all the tiers. And kindly donate to us if you are so inclined to do so. <laughs> please. <laughs> Give us money. Yeah, please. Please help us. We want to make this better. <laughs> please. I- I'd, li- I'd like to have at least some more of a budget to editing these. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, before we get on to this week. Just five pounds a month can help Sam buy an editing pack. Exactly. Exactly. That's not even, that's not even a joke. <laughs> It's not even a joke. Just five pounds a month can help this poor editor look like he knows what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get on to this week's episode, which is all about the unsung heroes of professional wrestling, the best and worst of jobbers, it is time to visit Dan for this week's quite hot wrestling news. Dun, 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 down. Oh, wrestling news. <laughs> I'm sweating out my back. 
Let's get into it and let's start off first with Impact's Slammiversary event. Everyone's favorite moment at the end of a certain period of 90 days. <laughs> Smooth. I like that, Dan. Yeah. Well, well played, well played. Like, I genuinely think, it, I mean, especially over the last year, that's basically what it's become. Yeah. It's just like, oh, the 90 days are up. Let's see who turns up. <laughs> Not that I'm mad at that. I quite like it. It's quite, it's quite good. Yeah, what and what a, a list of um, people that turned so, up yesterday. Absolutely, so absolutely amazing. First off, I want to say pretty good show all around. I think Impact does get a lot of hate, and mm. maybe a little bit of that is because you know, think they overstate their position or people overstate where they think Impact is. Mm. But uh, don't let that take away from the production of the show. Absolutely. Um, Royce Marie and Havoc now uh, new Knockout Tag Champions. Hell they yeah! Have, they have an actual surviving women's tag division i know right my god it feels weird seeing one that doesn't just have one team facing each other each week <laughs> oh that's depressing <laughs> yeah. um you just felt that you just felt that silence of oof yeah, yeah. <laughs> um kenny omega retains against sammy callahan yeah, uh, great match yeah, I was gonna say, it, was, it was a great match. I actually thought it might not be that great because I didn't think the two would mesh that well. But actually, uh, I stand corrected. It's, yeah, no, agree. I thought that as well. But no, man, you know, he gets, I mean, he gets a lot of flack, justifiably so in some cases, I would I would say. But Kenny, Kenny really went out of his way to, to really have a good match with Sammy on that one. No, absolutely. Um... We then had Mickey James, uh, yeah, yeah, former TNA alum, Mickey James, reappearing on Impact TV for the first time in God knows how many years. It's so good to see Mickey James again. Uh, arriving back uh, after Diana Perazzo uh, retained her uh, her title, women's title, knockouts title, I have a brain fart there. <laughs> uh, appears inviting Diana Barato to take part in the uh, NWA Empower, which is their all-female pay-per-view being spearheaded by Mickey James. Yeah. Um, super excited for that project to see how it goes, because they've got access to so many great wrestlers. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm rooting for that one for sure. Um, and then following that, um, Diana saying, I don't accept. Mickey James then decided to kick her in the head. And yo, right? <laughs> Mickey James versus Diana Perazzo for Empower. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I'd watch, I would watch that. I would watch that. How do, how do we convince people otherwise, Reardon? The rule we've always learned from wrestling. You either kick them or punch them in the head. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that, that's it works. It, works. it, it does, it does work. work. It does work. <laughs> um... But, right, first off, first person to arrive, Chelsea Green, uh, also known to be working with Ring of Honor as part of their um, women's tournament. Uh, as far as I understand, uh, she's working on, a, on an understood and shared understanding agreement that she'll be working for both Impact, Ring of Honor, and I believe potentially NWA as well. That's so cool. Um, obviously, her appearing here with... Uh, Matt Cardona, um, <laughs> of whom my opinion is very variable. It, um, it's, it, it's it's up and it sways up and down for me ever so often. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, mate, you're the coolest person in the universe. Can you please stop revving your dirt bike? <laughs> um, 
Aiden English, love to see him, or Matt Raywalt, uh, oh. as I believe he's coming as now, um, which is his real name. I'm um, so excited. When I saw that vignette, Long Live the Drama King, I was like, yes! Yes! So happy, to, so happy to see it, um, and so happy that he's getting back into um, wrestling as well. He was with MLW for a yeah. bit, um, and was doing great work there. Oh um, yeah! Again, it's actually kind of crazy the level of the talent that MLW have now. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of a shame a lot of their bigger players are often on like you know New Japan Strong or Ring of Honor and stuff yeah. like that they're having to shuffle people about but to exactly. be fair MLW's got some fantastic people in it absolutely um, the never open weight champion Jay White <laughs> appearing oh. in Impact yeah we could be having Omega versus Jay White in Impact holy... and that statement is surreal to me <laughs> holy crap was that a great way to end your event yeah, we definitely live in strange times, don't we? Where that could actually. Oh yeah, but that's why I say to people, that's why I love the in, the the interconnected approach to wrestling, because mm. that's what that's what allows for stuff like this. It's crazy to know that an event yesterday, an Impact event, had uh, members from AEW, Ring of Honor, MLW, NWA, Ring of Honor. I've already said Ring of Honor, didn't I? Potentially, I, I can't remember. Uh, and New Japan. Yeah. All in the... See, we only, when we were kids, we would only dream of something like this. But the fact That's what that, I mean. The okay. fact that this is happening now, gosh, man, we're in a really good... I feel like we're on the precipice of a really good boom period for independent wrestling. Oh, oh we absolutely yeah. are. Can't, we can't absolutely wait. are. I can't wait until WrestleMania just becomes Glastonbury only with wrestling. <laughs> yes! To be fair, the thing is, like, WrestleMania weekend is basically the Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> mm. But it's just going to evolve into something even even bigger. And basically the whole of, like, Southern Florida is just going to be wrestling events for, like, a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, right, let's get to the big news. Reardon, you're about to become an Impact Mark. Do you want to know why? 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 Enlighten me. Impact of sign, no way, Jose. He's back. <sighs> I, am, I am. I am. I cannot emphasize this enough. I am far too happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> I am, relative to all everything, I am far too happy. <laughs> no way, Jose, if you are somehow listening to this, go get that bag. You deserve it, my that's, dude. That's it. Yeah. Get, yes. get that bag. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I welcome this. I will be watching closely. <laughs> so the thing. Hell yes. I, I love It's so good to see him back. But I love the, the, the city kind of. Um, the, the, the legal. Uh, copyright workaround that's been happening. So he's. So am I correct in assuming, especially because what I saw from that event and when I was watching it, is he now simply just called No Way? I believe so. <laughs> so I feel so... like the meeting was like, you could be called No Way Jose. Oh, no, no, just, just, just No Way. Yeah, No Way Jose. No, No Way. All right, cool. No Way Jose. Oh. Got it. So, like. Look, right, we're, we're working on, like, lucha company copyright grounds right now 
What? No copyright. Uh, no, no, co no, acknowledging the copyright exists, but choosing to ignore it. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, that's my question. Arach Arachnoman is a completely independent character of our own creation. Yes. But the, my question is, like, is the is the um the 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 conga line just are they shouting no way Jose or is it just no way no way no way? It's the big question here. See, I feel like I feel like that you could get away with No Way Jose chanting because it's such like. Uh, like uh, see, uh, I feel like it's enough of a generic phrase that if exactly. people were saying it, I don't think that. I mean, obviously, you're acknowledge if it's one of those things of like, if people were saying it at him, it probably would be like a legal thing. Mm. But if people are just saying it as like a phrase. Mm. Then they might get away with it. There's a, I don't know. There's a whole thing, and as we all know, copyright is incredibly obtuse. Yes. <laughs> all things said, though, flipping great to see him back. Oh, yep. all, like I am ludicrously happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, special shout out to Chris Bay's get ring gear. Oh, it was. So oh, with the, uh, with the Ben and Jerry's fit. Yes. The Ben and Jerry, oh, it's, oh, it's so awful. Like, seriously, like, it's another one of those things where I say, please, for the love of a uh, love of all that's holy, people, don't sleep on Chris Bay. He's really, really talented. Yeah, he is. In, I would say this. Say, incoming, impact, incoming impact champion, or at least say, he should be. I'd say that. My bold claim would be, Chris Bay, why not pull the trigger and have him be the one that dethrones Kenny Omega for the impact championship? See, I don't know if that will happen. It probably won't, but I'd like to see it. <laughs> I'd like to see it, yes. Um, just moving on next, uh, want to give a quick, real quick shout out to um, uh, Limitless. Again, putting in amazing work. Mm. Um, if you can, go onto IWTV, find Kevin Koo versus Kevin Blackwood, basically two of the best people in the independent scene right now. Yeah. Um, and they have a banger match where they just beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> yeah, love to uh, see it. You owe, you owe it to yourself to go and see it. Um, moving over to AEW, though, now. Uh, my boy Ricky Starks, picking up, uh, now the new FTW champion. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm here for it. And it looks like Team Taz has turned on Brian Cage. I, I yeah, love to see it. I, I was really, really impressed by it. And I was like, whoa! I was like, Dan's going to love this. And I love oh, it too, because Ricky yes. Starks is awesome. That's what I mean. Ricky Starks is amazing. Um, we are now set for Lance Archer versus John Moxley for the IWGP United States title. Again. Uh, and, the, and the Dark Order versus the Elite five-man elimination tag match. I love multi-man elimination tag matches. Yes. Uh, same, same. With the high stakes of this as well, feeding into the uh, Hangman versus Omega storyline, man, I'm excited for this. Question, will we be, will negative one get that win? Oh, could... Potentially. Could you imagine? Um, I, sit I think, I think, well, obviously part of this is the, obviously this is all the continuation of Adam Page versus uh, Kenny Omega. Um... I believe John Silver's due to be returning to in ring action. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited. 
uh, for John Silver to come back because he is such such an amazing uh, one of the most amazing guys in the Dark Order, I'd say. But um, hey, look, that doesn't rule out the possibility the negative one might be a ringside. I, you know what, I'd love to, I would love to see. Uh, I would love to see negative one kendo stick Don Callis if he tries to interfere in the match. Go on. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's too darn perfect. Could you imagine that? Don Callis tries to interfere, tries to uh, get the loss for Paige. Down comes negative one with the kendo stick. Whack to the back of the head. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> And there we get the Dark Order wins, and Adam Page yes. goes on to face Omega for the title. Book it, book it, Tony. You know you yeah. want to. We we all know that that is how you book that storyline. Yeah, as, yeah. As, as 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 Hangman Page wins against toxic masculinity, like that's literally the storyline. Yeah. yeah, basically, that that is literally it. That's why I said to people, I I'm, I love this story so much because in for. For wrestling terms, it's it's inspiringly human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good. Um, another quick shout out: uh, win for Yuka Sakazaki um, against Penelope Ford. Uh, good little match, just to kind of showcase everything, showcase what's so great about Yuka. Yeah. Um, I guess my advice to people, I mean, it's a very specific subset of people. Hmm. Um that are the ones that are both viewers of AEW, but also some viewers that of AEW that get annoyed at the the pushing of Joshi wrestlers. Yeah. Um, just appreciate what they do. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. please take the time to try and appreciate the start. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. Mm. But um, please don't be coming with that BS sexist um you know stuff that people come through with where they're like oh it's because of kenny that they're getting the pushes and going over no no no, no. these are incredibly really... hard workers that do incredibly difficult stuff i say i mean look at it this way i've always said if it weren't for joshi wrestling um we wouldn't have the amazing roster that is on nxt right now Literally. Yeah, that's the we thing. We wouldn't have such a base thing. as well. So that's the go. thing. I'm, I say to people, right? Any women's wrestler that you have, like, put time into or watched at least within the last five years has probably worked in stardom or, a, or done a match in Japan. Yeah. Because... When it comes to women's wrestling, Japan has been like the standard bearer for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um. The to be fair, the U.S. standard is Shimmer. Yes. UK has Pro Wrestling Eve. Uh, they're all all female companies. They're again both amazing. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, chance like if there's a women's wrestler that you've watched within the last. I don't know, seven years. <laughs> They've probably gone through one of those companies at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I'm just going to quickly move on to Ring of Honor to mention oh, best oh, in the world because oh. absolutely amazing. Oh, sorry. Before you do that, though, Dan, I want to say what a main event they had for Fight Fest night one. Oh, 
Yes, yes. What? I, oh, and I, credit where credit's due. If that were WWE, I'd, I would imagine they would have put that on the upper the upper card, probably the third to last main event. But to think that they put that on as main event not only shows that they uh, they really have faith in uh, in both, but they really saw that that was a high stakes match that people would love to to kind of have to, to sign off the first night. Also, oh, yeah. Ethan Page, man, has been flipping firing on all cylinders since he joined oh, AEW. Mate, he's as I've said to people, he's amazing. He is just amazing. He is so good at what he does, and like to be fair, the trust they're putting in him with that. <laughs> By the way, Reardon, the, the 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 visual of Darby Allen doing a coffin drop into a coffin with Ethan Page into the coffin is something that you want to see because it's so. It's yeah. kind of spiritual. Exactly. That sounds, that sounds extraordinarily gifable. <laughs> really oh, it is. is. It, it is. Really is. Oh, anyway. Back to Ring of Honor, so my apologies. No, Ring of Honor. I want to give a quick shout-out to um, some matches. First off, I just want to say, yo, PCO is a menace. (laughs) He's not human. He really is not human. He has no right to be putting in the quality and work rate that he is now, but he is doing it, and he is eating it up, and I love it. (laughs) To think he went from the Quebecers to Jean-Pierre Lafitte, to now where he is in his career, basically having the the one of the most amazing career renaissances I have ever seen in pro wrestling is <laughs> such a marvel to see. <laughs> but yeah, he put on one hell of a show at best in the world. <laughs> like it is absolutely crazy. Um, Mike Bennett versus Jonathan Gresham, oh. fantastic match for the pure title. It's Jonathan Gresham. He's firing on every single cylinder possible and a couple extra in the back. Um, and his quality of work has basically not dropped at any point since about, well, since Ring of Honor did the restart of the pure tournament. Yeah, wow. Wow. I mean, um, I know a lot of people probably weren't expecting much because, uh, you know, Mike Bennett, uh, with Mike Bennett being in the ring. But I think Mike Bennett proved to himself that he could have a great match with Gresham. And Gresham really worked well with Bennett in that match. Great pure match. The, yeah. the, 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 the least you'd expect from the pure champion. But no, I agree with you. Man, has Jonathan Gresham only gone up and up since the turn of the year. <laughs> he genuinely just hasn't stopped. It's insane. insane. Um, And then also uh, Bandido versus Roosh uh, in the main event. Uh, Basically, the the main part of this match was Bandido gets his head kicked in. Mm, Yeah. Um, But no, fantastic match. And Bandido is a ridiculously talented wrestler. Yeah, what, what? How how refreshing is it to have a, a, a lucha match in a, in the in your main event of a of an of an American company for a world title for a world title as well? Bandido's so freaking good. I've had the pleasure of seeing Bandido live a couple of times, um, and oh god, he's so he is so. He makes it look so effortless going from one move to another lucha spot to another move. It's just yeah, how? <laughs> no, the guy can uh, floss like nobody else's business as well. So <laughs> no, but great, no, like, great decision as well to give um, Bandido the title. Yeah, ba- basically the exact right decision to do for the company where it is right now. Yeah. Um. 
moving over to WWE, and we'll do a quick week review. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe we now have the full card set out for Money in the Bank, which will be happening as of the day of recording. Yeah. Um, should we do? Should we do? You know, want some predictions <laughs> so we can see how wrong we were. Shall we? Oh god. Uh, okay. Basically, mine is I expect Biggie and Liv Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, my the one that I want to win is instead of Biggie, I want John Morrison to win because I want a dream in Johnny Mundo. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. My my heart says Biggie. My mind's going Seth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. I I would agree. I'd agree with um, Sam with the. Um, the caveat that I I think I think Edge is gonna have that moment where they everyone thinks he's gonna get it again. And if, I feel like yeah, I I feel like if they were gonna put it on Seth, uh, regardless of what actually happens, I think Seth may just interfere in that match against Ro- uh, Edge and Roman. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean the thing is right. I'm looking at it. I go <laughs> every single viable pick is on SmackDown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of weird. For me, Raw has like nothing going for it. <laughs> but Raw's the one that needs something, but I don't think money in the bank is it. Mm. Cause like realistically, at this point, money in the bank is the only way I think they can justify Roman dropping. True? Possibly? That's 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 the only thing I would say. That's the only way I can see Roman dropping. Mm. Mm. It makes me <laughs> the only reason I, I I the only reason I bring up Big E again. The only reason I bring up Big E is because I think me and a few I think a few people would just want to see Big E's dream of big meaty men slapping me. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. <laughs> so I uh, I mean. With that being said, I think Bobby's going to win. As uh, yeah. I mean, as much as I really want Kofi to win again. <laughs> I know. Uh, I think Bobby's going to win. Uh, Beck, do you even think Becky's coming back tonight? Well, because I... alleg- allegedly, there was a whole thing around people leaking show plans that she was going to be there and turn up and not like wrestle or anything, but just, you know like appear on the stage mm. um i don't know whether or not they've changed that now because of all the reaction to it i would um i mean personally if if, if i'm there I'd, I'd do it at SummerSlam. yeah i would like well, why the heck not how about you know the storyline being that Rhea wins against charlotte for the 15,000th time um because, of course, we need to see that match once more because Rhea hasn't proven herself. <laughs> God, sometimes the mindset... If Charlotte wins. I'm going to say... The, 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 the mindset of creative about Rhea Ripley, man. No, uh, <laughs> but why not SummerSlam? Rhea issues an open challenge and it's Becky. Why not? Yeah. Um, uh, in terms of NXT, we had Tyler Russ winning for the Diamond Mine, setting up what looks to be a kind of story. It looks like we're going to have, well, potentially a Redragon reforming. Could you, could you Kyle imagine? O- Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish joined by Kushida. <sighs> to go up against the Diamond Mine? Ooh. See, the thing is, right, now we've Ooh. got... There's one more space left. Mm. Mm. 
and that means that there's i mean theoretically there's one person left to fill that space and i don't know who it's gonna be same uh oh gosh but still um i'm excited same same I am again. I'm also super excited for the moment of seeing Hideki Suzuki in a WWE ring. Oh man! Ra- looking, I mean, rather than looking menacing, actually having a wrestling match and looking menacing, I oh, bad. Just give it to me now, NXT, please. Like, I'm here for it. Speaking of Joshi, Gigi Dolan loses her teeth. Not lit. Not actually, but you know, people are like, oh. The uh, Saray that that looks stiff. Uh, no, that is that's that's a standard of. Um, uh, I believe I believe some people call it the uh, the C in Styles drop kick. Yeah, I thought, but I thought we all knew by now that when Joshi wrestlers drop kick, they drop kick. <laughs> like it's like when when they when they drop kick, they kick you. <laughs> You know, Reardon, really, you know this name. by now. Kick For it. all the video clips we've shown you, when Joshi wrestlers drop kick, they they they, they kick you. <laughs> they really when, kick you. No, nah, Joshi wrestlers straight up want to take your head off. Straight <laughs> up. There's not even they they kick. They just shoot kick every time. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, we had Duke Hudson picking up the first win of the breakout tournament against Ikemen Jiro. Uh, well, that was our prediction of Jiro winning. The thing, I was going to say, there goes my prediction. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, as I said, looked good. Yeah. Honestly, mm. can't can't fault him. Mm. Um, Aaliyah turns on the Robert Stone brand. Apparently, Aaliyah's going to Raw. Interesting. But... After see, because they did the whole thing where they were like, "Oh, uh, the contract has been picked." Um. Oh God, who was that for? Uh, I I can't remember anymore. <laughs> oh no, Shotzi and Tegan Knox. Oh oh no, sorry, Shotzi and Knox. Now. Yeah. Yes. Um, they're like their contract has been picked, which is like you know, like in terms of like American sports, is a very common thing. Although I don't think WWE's ever done it before. Um, but yeah, so apparently Aaliyah might be going to Raw. Uh, remains to be seen on that one. Mm. Uh, and then just finally, uh, obviously Seth picking up the win, pretty money in the bank. And then Finn Balor returning to SmackDown. Hell yes, the man with 14 abs. Yes, that man. That man <laughs> has an insane amount of abs on his abs. How is he so cut? Legitimately, how is he so cut? Uh, the secret ingredient is magic. And, yeah, that makes and sense. face paint. A, a lot of yeah. face paint. No, I'm happy to see it. I love Finn Balor, as as anyone that knows me knows. Yeah. <laughs> um, and him being on SmackDown can only be a good thing with the way SmackDown is tending, honestly. Yeah, I look, fingers crossed. I just crossed. hope that he gets treated better than last time. Exactly. Just fingers crossed, touch wood, it does. Because, I mean... I mean, I think people unjustly have a go at him. But here's the thing. I feel like he's, ever since coming to WWE, he's only gone and improved so much. See, here's the thing, right? The problem I think people have is that he stand. This is going to sound like I'm starting some kind of... I guess this is technically starting discourse, but... Hmm. I think the thing is... 
is that to to old wrestling fans and older school wrestling fans, him winning the universal title was seen as like this like oh that guy he's just a cruiserweight yeah why does he have the top title and ever since then and obviously because he got injured and for some reason people are mad at him for that it's not like he had any choice in it yeah yeah um i've been like oh because it's a thing that might even some of my friends say to me when i say like oh i really like this wrestler who's a cruiserweight or whatever they should be challenging for the top title and they're like Oh, let me guess. You want to see Finn Balor as Universal Champion? I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. He's a very yeah. good wrestler. Yeah. He's very good. He would have very good feuds and matches. Yeah, I'm like, he would have very good matches with the top talent, yes. <laughs> and the fact he went and, you know, he's only gone and... Um, gone and, and really... so he was like, man, I really, I really don't like it up here, so I'm just going to go back to NXT, reinvent myself, create a new character, and take myself to the top of the title, and then rebuild NXT's profile. Exactly. The, the fact that he he owned, he went back to the drawing board, he went and, you know, took the elements of what made his Prince character in New Japan so good, and um, adopt it and remould it for the WWE audience, just shows how good he is and how versatile he can be. Um, he really made NXT bloody good watching, if you ask me, in his time there. So I mean. So Smack with him back on SmackDown, why not? Like seriously, it'd be great to if see he him went, back. If he went back and was on Raw, I'd feel worried. Yes, but the fact he's on SmackDown. If he's fact... on SmackDown, I'm okay. I, I can I can feel comfortable. <laughs> exactly, mm. exactly. So man, push him in the upper mid card to main event scene. It only seems logical. The man's done some really great work in his time in NXT. Yeah, just I reckon. I mean, if you want to just start him off, put him in that, put him in that IC title scene. It needs a new competitor. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, hell as well. We're gonna have Finn Balor and Nakamura on the same roster. Yeah. Yeah. Finn Balor and Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, so, Big yeah. E. I think he's all. I think he'll do all right, won't he? <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I think he'll do just I mean, fine. I, I think it's like it's very easy to make that man do all right, so just do it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, with that, though, we are done with the news. Brilliant. Oh, cool. Brilliant. So I've got one little thing for the recommendation corner. Uh, really, I have, have a tiny. Stuff. I have a tiny I, addendum. I have. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I believe two weeks back, I recommended a YouTuber called Yamfa. Um, and people said, I can't find him. Uh, that's because I didn't tell you how to spell it. <laughs> Y-M-F-A-H. Yamfa. All right. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I do have something for the recommendation corner. But Sam, please go ahead. Okie doke. So uh, I recently finally jumped into watching uh, Bo Burnham's Inside, which I am, I am pleased to say was an incredible watch. Um, I know a lot of people are very much of the of, of one of two sides with Bob Burnham. You either think he's really good at what he does or he's a pretentious little git. But um, <laughs> honest, honest to goodness, I've always liked Bob Burnham. He's probably one of the, my favourite kind of creators, uh, one of my favourite comedians as well. And this one was... A re- it's a really hard watch at times inside because it deals with a lot of stuff I think every single person um, has gone through in the past 18 months. But no, I highly recommend it. It's a really good watch. Again, as I said, bit of a hard watch at times, but enough to make you go and watch it. One of my favourite things I've watched this year so far. 
Yeah, I, I um, I've heard about it, and I am a big fan of Bo Burnham, but I would be. Uh, so no, I, I, I do. I've been meaning to check that out, so now I will. So, uh, my recommendation corner is um quite simple, really. As we go, as we are surprise, surprise, we watch anime here <laughs> in the sweet show. Yes. Surprise, surprise, and. I when I was doing through my um, trailing on Twitter, listening to um, reading the recommendations of um, Vice Victus. If you want a sidebar, if you want a, if you want a really good action movie director, video film critic, he is one of the best. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And he mentioned that there was a new Mobile Suit Gundam out. On Netflix, Halfway, and I was like, "Great! I'm, I've been trying to get into Gundam for ages. I watched Iron Blood, or- Iron Blooded Orphans, which was fantastic. But also, but when doing so, I realized that the original trilogy of Mobile Suit Gundam, like of the the very first of it, is actually on Netflix in the UK. Ooh. Yeah, I know, right? I was shocked too. So. <laughs> If you, All right, that's if next you, weekend for me, sort of. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the full trilogy is on there, and Hathaway is uh, a sequel, se- one of the many sequel series. Of <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it gets a bit that, complicated of, at times. Yeah, of, that, of that timeline. It, 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 it sounds more complicated than it honestly is, but... <laughs> Yeah, so that is out. So that is my recommendation. If you want, if you're like me and always wanted to get into Gundam, go on Netflix, type in Mobile Suit Gundam, you will see the trilogy, watch the trilogy, watch Halfway, and then it's over. You're done. You did it. I feel like since we've had, we've seen wrestlers uh, make tributes to uh, Evangelion add to My Hero Academia, I feel like I, I rarely, if not ever, have seen a wrestler pay tribute to Mobile Suit Gundam, and I feel that needs to... That's an untapped potential there. I there am, is untapped potential, yeah, but I, I am, assume that the yeah. incurred cost is the factor here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. On the other hand, I am shocked that I haven't seen any wrestler, even Japanese wrestlers, go like go to the ring as Chai Asnable. That is an oversight. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Like... He has a cape. He's right there. <laughs> oh, man. No, great, great little choices there for the recommendation corner. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. All right, then. It is time to get on with this week's episode. The best and worst jobbers in pro wrestling. Ah, man. The, un- the true unsung heroes of the industry, I'd say, are jobbers. You know... It's so funny when looking at this. I, I actually did my research a little bit, just a tiny <laughs> bit. And it is, you know, in a wrestling match, someone has to lose. It's a... Yeah. It's a and like, like, it sounds extremely obvious because it is, but I don't think... We don't... You don't think about it, right? Like, hmm. someone is booked to lose that match. <laughs> and... When you go back into the history of the jobber, it's a very weird situation having like, you are like, you get this guy, this athlete, you book him, you get him like, you get him trained up to work safely and you look him dead in the eye and go, your job 
is to make our top guys look good and lose basically every match. It's a weird thing. It's a weird. It is a weird thing to basically be told by your boss that you're a loser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you are a professional loser. <laughs> like your job is to go out there and try and lose in the best way possible. <laughs> and you know what? The the, the 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 thing for me when researching this is just how some of these guys who were put into this role are. Without question, some of the best wrestlers, some of the most well conditioned, some of some well, well, in golden era WWF they weren't so much, but it, but in 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 like the mid nineties onwards, how some of these guys were kind of some of the best conditioned, some of the most well trained, some of the safest workers as well. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. It's one of those weird. It's one of those weird situations mm. where it's like. <clears throat> You know, one of the things that is quite common with it is that because you're such a good, safe worker, they trust you with other people implicitly. But then for them, that's like, well, we need a safe pair of hands to help this other guy. <laughs> so I guess it's you and you're going to lose. Would you say, I guess, I've just the thought just crossed my mind. With all that being said, and the person, and then one person I can think of. Who was who was called that? Like a really incredibly safe worker, also making the other people look good. But the thing is, he ended up being WWF champion. Would you say that Bret Hart is king of the jobbers? <laughs> That's a well. So what I was going to do was I was going to start my official point of discourse, which is that does this technically mean that jobber qualifies as a support class? <laughs> yes. Ooh, that's a very. Mm. It... Would we would we argue mm. that? There we go. Yes. In a wrestling mode, jobbers are the support group. <laughs> jobbers are the clerics of the wrestling world. Damn, that's a good one as because, well. Because yeah, they're the clerics. Because if you don't have them, it hurts. Oh, Lord Jesus, does it hurt. So does this, does this mean that this whole time, Brandon Cutler's been maining as a cleric instead of a DM? Potentially. That means that... See, this is where it gets... I almost said something, but this is where I really want to discuss this with you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. I was about to say that that means that um, Orange Cassidy is a 20th level cleric. But then I was like, now we come into... I, I have to ask you guys this question. Do jobbers exist in modern wrestling? And here's the well, thing. that's the thing. Mm. I think it's... I think it's kind of a dying art yeah it's it's certainly a lost art form i feel um i think i think the thing is that companies that there are obviously companies that still make use of it so we can reference the uh you know the peter avalon and brandon cutler losing streak mm. where they both went like 23 0 and 23 i think fuego del sol went 49 and 0 yeah but the thing is, is that people aren't I don't think people are explicitly addressed as being a jobber. They're just wrestlers that happen to lose a lot. I feel, yeah. in especially in the era, uh, especially after after the turn of the century, I feel like that term has really been phased out. And I feel like 
dare I say, the terms local competitor and enhancement talent. Well, yeah, so it's, it's local used. competitor and enhancement talent have taken over. Yeah. Mm. But I, I don't think that there are there are really people in that way, as in, like, the 80s definition of a jobber, which was a guy who stayed with the company and was booked to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, and then again, a lot for like AEW, a lot of the people they have are often unsigned. Um, and then you know, when they get their contracts, they start winning. <laughs> yeah. There's the there's the hidden uh, there's the hidden thing that's that's stopping people from being jobbers. You just need give you just need Tony Khan's signature. Um, and and things like that. I just don't think they exist. I don't think they exist in the same way. Oh no. But like I, obviously there are people out there who still are you know kind of in the lower card that when they come up against bigger people they lose. You know what I think might be what has done it in my in my view is that there is a um is that the style of wrestling has it sounds so ridiculous but it's just like you have to, like in modern wrestling you have to be able to wrestle in order to to be in wrestling. Yeah. Like, you have to have a base amount of skill. <laughs> I think the thing that's changed it is that I, I think the the kind of... How do, how do I phrase this? The dynamic around everything has shifted. So whereas mm. it was like, oh, hey, here's our top guy. Watch him demolish someone in, like, nine seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Was like, that's perfect that's like everything we need doesn't a doesn't have quite have the same effect anymore mm. um would you dare, would and, and, and much much like many things in wrestling i think the attitude era changed it yeah because I... that was when they started phasing towards just having lower card people that like if against other lower card wrestlers were fine they'd have occasionally win occasionally lose but then whenever mm. they face anyone else, then they then they would lose. I guess you could say everyone became a jobber to the stars. When you think yeah. about it. When you think about it. I feel yeah. like, I feel like the changing the changing of that along with the fact that they now, you know, you have so, like WWE especially have so much longer to play with. Whereas, you know, say take Raw for example, when it was one hour, having a nine nine second or two minute squash match with a jobber was perfect filler for one part to the next but now you've got three yeah. hours worth of content having that sort of match plonked right into the middle doesn't really make sense or gel as well anymore yeah, yeah that, that's actually something i didn't consider just how yeah raw was just straight up one hour go yep yeah, I mean, here's the thing. They would have their biggest stars be the opening match and a squash match be the main event because, uh, fun, fun fact, Vince uh, saw it as a way of keeping kids entertained on Raw to have the big match first and then because by the time they go to bed, the main event would have been on. That was yeah. his mindset towards that. <laughs> not, not the worst mindset, honestly. <laughs> well, no, here's, here's the thing I have said to people before about, like, they're like, oh, why is this match the the first match on the card? It should be the main event. I'm like, no, but when you think about it, though, the first match is still kind of a prestige spot. 
Absolutely. <clears throat> because, like, I mean, in contextually, as much as people might try, may try and paint them as being similar, wrestling does definitely doesn't abide by the same rules as boxing. No, absolutely yeah, not. Just not. I mean, you had to get away of waking all of the kids up, especially in two thousand when you when the first segment was a twenty minute Triple H promo. Uh, I yes. mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It is funny, yeah, because like at that time, it was really like it. The, like the first match would just be the continuation of the main storyline, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And then afterwards, you'd have like your B plots and then like the weird stuff going on. <laughs> and then, and then at the very end, it would continue on, and it yeah. was kind of like that that weird sandwich. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Alrighty then, chaps. Before we move ahead with our list of best and worst, Reardon, would you like to give your Pokedex entry on jobbing once more? Because I believe you have done a Pokedex I, yeah. entry on jobbing. I believe I have, but just in case. <laughs> so, jobbing or a jobber? Jobbing is simply the, is the art of losing. <laughs> yeah. And, it, it, and I say that like slightly tongue in cheek, but there there is an honest to god art to it. Yeah, mm. there is a uh, there is an art to making your opponent look good, and some of the greatest wrestlers of all time, even some wrestlers that you wouldn't think have done so. Mm. Like for instance, um, The Rock at, in his heyday yeah. was an infamous infamous for 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 jobbing to opponents being yeah. more than happy to now do so. rocky Maivia. <laughs> yeah and as rocky Maivia, he started out with humble beginnings as a jobber and then became well it was more like they tried to do it as a main eventer they didn't like him became a jobber they still didn't like him and then he became the rock and then the rest is history <laughs> should have started yes. it should have started as his memphis character flex havana but you know yeah, well, <laughs> that's that's God. That's a weird, weird reality where he is billed as Rex Mavana and Jumanji. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I prefer the alternate reality where where he is the Dwayne Johnson Rock. <laughs> oh, that's also beautiful. But yeah, that is that is basically jobbing. Jobbing is losing, and there have been a lot of truly fantastic losers and a lot of guys you're like oh jesus he's on <laughs> yeah please also see uh see entry for do the job brother <laughs> do, do the job exactly. brother that yes. won't do the job for me brother uh, exactly so and I... um oh, but actually before we go i have to make a little caveat but the caveat here is that um the the concept of a jobber is very very fluid yeah and yes. it's often like you either and it's like uh, like it's it's like jazz you know it when you see it <laughs> to be quite and a bit especially considering it's about that, the matches they're not winning <laughs> yeah yeah that is basically that is basically it honestly because there are a lot of wrestlers famous great upper card ones who started out as jobbers straight up yeah well, yeah, so here's so the thing that I was contending with was that I was like, a lot of the time, Jobber is only really associated with, like, you know, 70s through 80s territory wrestling. Yeah. yeah. Kind of after that point, uh, 
it kind of disappears and people talk about like enhancement talent and stuff but they were never really people that stayed around with companies yeah mm. um, um so yeah I've, I've tried my best to account for that yeah because it's like yeah. when you think about it in that way you start then thinking about oh gosh maybe if i should be putting people like uh like alex shelley or cm punk on this list because they regularly did, were um the local talents on sunday night Heat yeah because it's like what yeah. i was gonna have was i was gonna include fuego del sol mm. Mm. but then i was like i don't know that i kind of can yeah yeah it's one of the hard that's why like i had such a hard time writing up a list of this because it's like what schrodinger's jobber is in full effect yeah <laughs> so like just don't at us please it's yeah, so difficult it, it's to, like, to, to I, i'm sure that there are plenty of wrestlers from like post 2000 that i could put in here that technically qualify as jobbers absolutely absolutely um i mean we could have done a whole hodgepodge about the golden age of wwf at the time because there was some horrid jobbers at that time i mean I, I mean guys that were definitely um trying to get into shape or were not out or not in shape at all <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah the way we're gonna we're, the way we're gonna do this is we're gonna talk about our best and our worst and we've selected three from each and we're gonna go as we usually do uh start with three go round two and then one and uh, and then proceed to the worst because I, I always like to start off with best because it's not it's nice it, we start off positive and then yeah you, you start off negative. good and then you get down down and down okay so i i'm gonna start off with best jobbers and at number three I'm talking about probably one of the most famous jobbers in the wwf that they had at the time probably one of the most versatile and flexible for sure and that dear friends is mr Dwayne gill or as we know him more lovingly gilberg <laughs> excuse me my wwf light heavyweight champion beneath sa rios but maybe yet add the longest reigning wwf light yes. heavyweight champion yes <laughs> Wow, man, what to say about Dwayne Gill? What a prolific career this guy's had. He first made his appearance in the late 80s in the golden age of the WWF and kind of from then on stuck around, was able to, you know, have this amazing career as a regular jobber, also known as a carpenter, may I add, a guy who was a he, regular yeah, jobber. So, a, should, yeah, so, yeah, I was going to say, should we qualify carpenter? Because carpenter kind of often falls under the, the same vein as you know you're a jobber because you're a safe worker absolutely. that is able to like lead people through matches and stuff absolutely i, I mean for the best ones i definitely about well, all of them i would say were carpenters in one way or another uh, especially in the wwf around that time and uh, no Dwayne gill is probably one of the prime examples of of that because how he managed as well to not only be, you know, have such a prolific career in the WWF, but later on when we were morphing into the Attitude Era, was somehow able to break free from the Carpenter uh, moniker, I guess, or the Carpenter status. And, you know, not only have a, a storyline with the Job Squad... <laughs> <laughs> but to then become Gilberg and win the light heavyweight title. <laughs> I 
I feel like that's more an indictment of how WWE saw the light heavyweight title. That is that is also very true. God damn it. I mean, we had Takamichi Noko and, and the great Sasuke, and then Gilbach. I think it's just it kind of, I think for me, it's just, just kind of impressive. Um, especially that so much of his stuff now is explicitly tied to being a parody of someone else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how he's managed to, I don't know, you would have thought that would have died, like when WCW were bought out by the WWF, but nope, how he's They just kept managed... running with it. They kept they running just with it. kept running with it. <laughs> even like, to this, like, like, even to last year, they kept running with Gilbert. <laughs> you know, no, credit where credit's due, apparently, by, by all intents and purposes as well, not only a, a really great guy to work with in the ring, safe pair of hands, uh, a lovely guy in general uh, to, to be around. No, no, absolutely. And like I said, it, 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 speaks, it speaks to the abilities to stay around for that long. Absolutely. So rec- I, the matches I recommend uh, to for everyone, to anyone who's watching and wants to see uh, Dwayne Gill wrestle, uh, Razor Ramon from 1993. Uh, there's a great match with Mr. Perfect in 1993 as well. And anything as Gilberg. That's what I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> Any matches you want to see of Dwayne Gill, go out and find those. Uh, uh, Dan, what's your number three choice for best jobbers? Are you going to go with me? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, first off, I want to give an honourable mention, a shout-out, uh, and a, a bit of appreciation to the greatest CHW interstate champion ever. It's Rob Banks, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's we love Rob Banks in this house. Go. He's not my number three, though, but I want to give a shout-out to Rob Banks because um, Rob Banks is amazing and one of the greatest characters ever conceived in wrestling. Swade Savard, man. You, you, you had you had a lightning in a bottle moment there. You get one. You get one, um, No, for my, num- for my number three pick, I'm going to go... Uh, again, this is one of the... One of the many... Uh, difficult things about saying is this person a jobber or not um following in the vein of wrestlers that worked around the world like went to wwe became a jobber and left (laughs) Uh, i am going with uh just joe oh no aka joey legend when he was in WWE, he was a jobber. He was there to he was there to lose. Wasn't his whole um, gimmick around that time that he heard some rumors about someone, and then it was like he just used to. It was like he would go around and just like stir the pot on people. Yeah, oh, I'm just Joe. <laughs> um, never really got that. Um, but basically, he follows in uh, a lot of the modern form jobber post 2000 yeah jobber style of basically he's just really good at bumping yes <laughs> um did, did you know for our uk viewers he was one of the head coaches for itv's celebrity wrestling <laughs> do you want to know who the other one was who? damn it dilo oh, oh okay oh. i'm not having all right i'm not getting mad at d-lo for, for that choice okay he didn't know what he was getting into we appreciate brown in this household um 
this is a random bit of information that I found, but I felt compelled to share it with you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact, uh, Joey Legend appeared on the Turkish version of Gladiators. What? Apparently so. He was a competitor on it. Well, there wow. you go. <laughs> I, I literally just saw that piece of information and was like, I feel compelled to share this. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> Did he um, win? But no, he... Uh, I don't know. I just said he was on it. Um, but no, he's uh, again that kind of that vein of a very competent wrestler who's been around and been in the industry for a long time. Yeah, uh, that they can trust with doing. Yeah, they can just trust with doing stuff. Uh, if you want a match recommendation, go and watch his one against Test, where he gets beaten to hell. Oh, that one's a really good match, actually. <laughs> For sure. Um, great choice for number three, Dad. Ruben, your number three choice for best jobber. Okay. So after doing some um, looking, some information, I am going to go for... I'm going to be the one that everyone's going to hate, but I don't care. <laughs> so, my number three best, dro- best jobber rather, <laughs> is Brodus Clay. The Funkasaurus. Somebody call his mother. <laughs> I cannot express my contempt for that man in words. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. And it's not just because he's a bad wrestler, but he's not a good person. He <laughs> not. Unfortunately, no. not. We we won't we won't go into yeah. it on this here podcast. But uh, we we won't go into that. But sorry yeah, to kill so... your dreams. Sorry to kill your dreams. Well. No. I mean, I guess technically when he was Brodus Clay, he wasn't that bad. Yeah, he, he wasn't done that yet, bad. So. Yeah. So, you know what? He still remains my third favourite jobber. I don't give a hell. I don't give a fuck. I love, <laughs> I love, seeing, I love seeing him. I love the gimmick. I know people hated it. I am that one guy who loved it because I love dancing gimmicks. I am that guy. Yeah. And, <laughs> I just didn't like his match. To be fair, everything else about it, I was like, you know what? This is this. I can I can kind of get behind this, but the matches were just. <sighs> fair. I mean, that's at least, fair. At least I mean, he gave us Naomi and Xavier Woods. That yes, is true. Exactly. Exactly. Is true. He gets the number. He gets the number three because he gave us both of them. Come on now. <laughs> and I am going. And like and yeah, he's number three because he doesn't have the best matches of which. Two and one definitely, absolutely do. Yeah. Oh. But I got, I got to put him on the list. I'm sorry, I love him. No, all about fair play to you, man. It's not a bad choice. Not a bad choice at all. I would say, like, recommendation match-wise, is there any that spring to mind for you, really? <laughs> I'm going to say... His WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> of course. As, because... The fact that he actually, actually got onto WrestleMania is more than enough. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Number two. For me, the best jobbers goes to the man who probably, uh, to the man who had a move. I say move, more like a, a bump. Named after him. Here we go. I love to see go. it. The, lo- the legend that is Chris Hamrick at number two. <laughs> now, Reardon, you may not know the name, but you sure as hell know the clip 
because he's the guy that did that one bump where he, where he flies out of the ring. He just launches himself <laughs> through the ropes. Man! How did he do that? It's what I was saying to Sam, right? I don't even know what the spot was. <laughs> he's just, he literally just yeets himself through those ropes. I'm just like, what the fuck was even the point of that? <laughs> but you can't help but laugh your ass off at it. That's the thing. <laughs> because it's so outlandish and silly, but it's amazing at the same time. I just... I just don't understand how 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 they did it. It's incredible. It's incredible. But credit where credit's due, Chris Hamrick in his time in the WWF was a jobber. Had some terrific matches here and there. But as most people know that are hardcore wrestling fans, he did have quite a successful career in ECW. Uh, was a well-noted high flyer, which kind of makes you realise, ah, so that's how he can pull that off so kind of so yeah. well and often. Because he's a really good high flyer. Yeah, um, yeah. Ended up doing uh, being in the Indies as well, having a tag team with Tracy Smothers. Rest in peace, everybody dies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, Chris had a, a very good career outside of it. But he is both. I mean, what else is to say from he? Like, good solid worker, really good high flyer. But we all know the reason I put him at number two is because of the Hamrick bump. <laughs> Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. So the three matches I recommend all have him doing the Hamrick bump, which is the one, the most famous one against the one two three kid. I love the fact yep. that you see it. When, he do, when it happens, uh, Sean Waltman does the whole karate pose because I think he generally thinks he may have killed Chris Hamrick. Because <laughs> Hamrick usually he was supposed to hold the ropes and then take a small little bump on the apron. Hamrick completely misses the apron and the ropes and just flops yeah. to the ground. Uh, the next one is against Tatanka. And be- would you believe it or not, he had a match against Owen Hart. Oh my god. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that immediately puts him at number two because he had a match against Owen Hart where he did the bump. <laughs> no, uh, no, but I highly recommend to watch those matches. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, Dad, your number two pick. For my number two pick, I am going for someone that, again, kind of falls into that thing of, like, when they were in WWF, they were a jobber. Uh, Ding dong, what's that coming to your house? It's Special Delivery Jones. Hey! Hey! And the weird thing about this is, he's a wrestler that I've always weirdly kind of liked. Mm. Yeah, I've... Um, I know people like might be there and be like, oh, why would you like a job? And I'm like, I don't know. There was something about him that I quite liked. Maybe it was the fact that he was postman. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was just everything else. But uh, again, fantastic very very competent wrestler yes absolutely very very good wrestler uh on the technical side um and i think someone that really actually does get underappreciated for a lot of their work which is a shame yeah no agreed because i feel like the only people reason the only reason people know of sd jones is because you know he had that nine second squash match yeah. against king Kong bundy at wrestlemania Mm-hmm. He was the jo- the first jobber at WrestleMania in the first match. Yeah. 
God damn it. Uh, and since then, he kind of got tarnished with that brush of being a jobber. Yeah, and that's the thing that's really a shame about it, because there's um, a lot of great work of his. Uh, I believe was in the NWA California Territory, mm. which I believe was NWA Americas. Yes. Um, but there, there's a lot of great there's a lot of great work in there, um, and in the kind of mid seventies when it was still WWWF, mm-hmm. uh, and had quite a little bit of a time as like a actually a, a mid carder. Yeah. Uh, up until the early eighties, but no, it's uh, absolutely amazing, super underappreciated mm. um, and it feels bad that he got stuck with like you know that one moment yeah yeah it's it's a good thing though it's great to know that he was he was inducted into the hall of fame in 2019 I feel, I feel yeah. a, a deserved one if there was if there was to ever be like the the underappreciated talent wing or the or maybe even help maybe even the jobber wing he was always going to be fir- he was always going to be the first top billing of that. I feel like the underappreciated talent, yeah, SD Jones deserves that. Cuz like I was like looking at like his numbers. <laughs> <laughs> right? Mm. In two separate years, mm. he did over 300 matches. Wow. Wow. Wow, that's like Se- territory. <laughs> that is 78 and 84. Wow. He did over 300 matches. Damn. <laughs> that is a <laughs> lot. <laughs> and it's just crazy that there's like all this stuff like back before and um, him getting the NW America's tag titles from, uh, I believe, the original Hollywood Blondes. Yes. Uh, with Buddy Roberts. Correct. Correct. Um... Yeah, that's that. That's the reason yeah. why he inducted Tony Atlas into the Hall of Fame, man. Because they were yeah. one of the most, you know, recognizable tag teams around that time. And it's just someone that should be getting appreciation for the work they've done, and not letting, you know, having that one moment overshadow them, which is so sad. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Great choice there, uh, Dan. Is there any matches that you know of that you could recommend for people to watch for SD Jones? Uh, I can't off the top of my head because I don't know which ones are available to to watch. <laughs> the WrestleMania match. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure. Just go on the network. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll be probably able to find, find a couple on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Alrighty, Reardon, your number two pick. My number two pick is absolutely a jobber, and and honestly, I like. Mm, I don't know. Like, I on. I would almost, almost be tempted to put him as my number one, if not for my number one absolutely having needs to be number one. It's the most obvious one. Mm. Bo Dallas. Oh. Uh, dude, from NXT champion to enhancement. <laughs> In one fell swoop. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Listen, now we could make, now we could like talk about that drop. <laughs> And talk about it, but let's talk about one of the greatest gimmicks I've ever seen. Bowley leave. You need to bow leave. You need to bow leave. It's 
a perfect like um it was also the it was a perfect gimmick for the time as this was the time where john cena was hitting saturation point yeah yeah and so to have basically a parody of john cena running around <laughs> was unbelievable yeah <laughs> Not and Not he gave it his all what is it with the Rotunda brothers giving it their all when it comes to their gimmicks. They saw their dad, realised that he had a, that one of the silliest gimmicks, but that got over and figured, and figured to themselves, oh, damn it, we're going to have to go big or go home if we're going to beat Erwin R. Scheister, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is... Ah, oh, every time. Every time I'd see him, it just make me laugh. Just yeah. the best. And... Seeing this little twerp get bodied constantly, <laughs> it was it never ceased to be entertaining. Oh, and yeah. to give him perhaps his greatest moment in history, I recommend anyone to look up him interrupting Brock motherfucking Lesnar. <laughs> yeah. Anyone interrupting Brock Lesnar is like the funniest thing to me. <laughs> yes. No, Bo Dallas. Oh man, oh just the greatest. You're just reminding me, a how much I actually really like the whole Bo Lee thing. It's just the best. Yeah. I'm also looking up little great moments. Um, one great things is when um, when the crowd started chanting "boring" at him, and he went, "Yes, this is Bo's ring." <laughs> I forgot Mwah. Inspired. Oh. God tier. God damn it, the Rotunda family. <laughs> Too darn the... good. Great choice, oh. Reardon. They all make a meal out of anything. And that's yeah, the best bit. That is the best bit. They are born the to only, do this. Like, a delightful amount of moments. The only reason he's not number one is due to the history of number one. Yeah. <laughs> So, that's my choice for number two. Okie doke. Alrighty then. So, can I just mention a couple of honourable mentions that I have uh, before Shoot. I go into number one? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, for my honourable mentions, I have Damien Sandow, Mick Foley. Yeah. 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 3MB. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 3MB. Excuse me. Excuse me. 3MB gave us WLC, which is the greatest matches WWE ever produced. Yes. <laughs> And it also gave us one of the one of the like the uh, the thing that breaks our no entrance with where are yes. which is the most hypest job of music I have ever heard in my life. Yes, I remember when they when I think one show in the UK they came out as the Union Jacks for the cheap pop. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, the Brooklyn Brawler, Steve Lombardi. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. he's probably in there. He's gotta uh, be in there. Glacier. Yes, let's go. Please, oh, yeah. Um, I, I also, if we're gonna go for like um honorary picks, I have to put in Dolph Ziggler, who was I was tempted to put on the list, wasn't well, he sure. Is, he is we, the was, he is the archetypal job to the stars. stars. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. So maybe I should have put him on the list, but like I I I really he was one of those ones where I really had to debate whether he. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, um. 
Sam knows my love of Glacier. Yeah, yes. I, I, <laughs> and WCW's weird experiment with, with that whole thing. I love Glacier as well. I feel like maybe one day we have to maybe perhaps dedicate an episode to Glacier because <laughs> it's so silly. I, I honestly, I'd honestly, I'd honestly be very intrigued because I don't know much about Glacier. So oh. you can get to learn about WCW's weird attempt at hijacking popular culture two years after the fact yes. yeah yeah you know what i'm intrigued i'm intrigued let us talk about again an honorable mention of one of the greatest jobber tag teams of all time los conquistadors yes oh yes again Absolutely. on my they were they were on my long list yeah <laughs> i came so close uh, I, I, I on the lower scale of honorable mention i have to put on um lucha house party yeah <laughs> on the lower scale, just because they just they just don't have that great of moments other than Lucha, Lucha. Yeah. See, here's one that I was going to have, but I didn't feel justified. There's a reason I didn't feel justified using it, and that's because it's a, it's a gimmick, not a particular person. Mm. Sam, do you remember, <laughs> was it El Luchador Grande? Oh, El Grand Luchador, yes. Yes. Paul which was just different London. which was just different people whenever they needed it i mean it was paul london at first and then it was eddie guerrero for one that so and it's, the like, alan, it's the alan smithy of gimmicks yes yeah. and like <laughs> they like before it was like paul london you know filling a filling the suit yeah. so that they could someone that they could let someone just have a squash match but then it just became like other random people as storylines needed it, and then a couple times they said it was just like you know local competitors that were asked to put on the yeah. the the suit for squash yeah. matches and stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for it's... sure. Uh, all right, and I've got a couple, a few more, I should say. Uh, Leaping Lanny Poffo. Yeah, Randy's yeah. Randy's brother who ended up becoming the genius. Skinner. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> the man from the Everglades. <laughs> uh, Marty Garner for the. Actually, I, I put Marty Garner here for the pure, uh, for the pure reason that he was the guy that spiked his own head when taking a pedigree from Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Oh, Jesus! Uh, the Blue Meanie. Again, yeah. uh, on my on my long list. Uh, um. Oh God, sorry, Rudin. There was one I wasn't sure about, and like this is one where it's like. Historically, maybe, but I have to actually ask you, Sam, is Doink the Clown a jobber? I don't... Or is he just a weird-ass gimmick? Not OG Doink. Not OG Doink, yeah. Definitely that's not OG Doink. Okay. Uh, but, that's like, anyone that, that, that filled the Doink outfit afterwards did, yes. yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, Spike Dudley. Spike yeah. Dudley! The runs yeah. of the Dudley litter. Uh, especially in WWE. <laughs> Uh, no, you're not wrong. I should have, I should have thought about that actually. Yeah, the yeah, second generation of the Orton family, Barrio. <laughs> I know he's a third generation superstar, but you also got to remember Barrio was the second generation and was an absolute jobber. <laughs> and of course, the David Hasselhoff lookalike, Iron Mike Sharp. Hell yeah! The guy who constantly sweats and grunts. <laughs> He's just so 80s wrestler. Mm. It's almost egregious. <laughs> but with all those honorable mentions, my number one best jobber 
the man, the myth, the Jewish legend himself, Barry Horowitz. Beautiful choice. Beautiful, beautiful. Arguably choice. to some, the jobber. Mm. The quintessential, I'd say, WWF yes. jobber. Where, where, when you had a sea of guys who, as I said, weren't in great shape uh, or, or, or uh, were just there for a cup of coffee, Barry Horowitz was the true staple of WWF at, uh, of the late 80s and 90s. Uh, terrific, uh, ter- in terrific shape, great in-ring psychology, knew how to take a bump, knew how to wrestle safe himself. And was always an incredibly reliable hand. Uh, what I lo- the thing I loved about his gimmick was that he had always had a handprint on the back of his ring jacket, and it would always, you know, it was the one to give himself a pat on the back. Was the reason in the story. So good, so good. Sick mullet as well, Barry Horowitz. Had. Oh yeah. <laughs> but what I loved about Barry Horowitz, he was around for so long. He would occasionally duck in and out of WWF every so often. But when he came back in the mid-90s, he ended up having a storyline where he was, no, he was, you know, it was obvious and they made light of the fact he was a jobber. But he would end up having a win against Skip of the Body Dollars. Oh and it was God. the They're cold. having to remind me about, A, the Body Donners existing, and <laughs> B, the fact that, again, that match happened in the first place, but I know obviously what happened afterwards. But what was amazing is JR's call of, Horowitz wins! Horowitz wins! He was going full Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone yeah, but that's cold. the best, that's the thing I love about yeah. it, though. That's what the jobber can create. Because exactly. it's the same as the Fuego Del Sol storyline. Exactly. And, and Brandon yeah. Cutler versus Peter Avalon. The, yeah. When you give them that win, you've already made a huge moment. And yeah, it's the, it's that pop. It was it was such a massive pop of a guy that has been on TV for so long. People kind of, if you like, have a fleeting interest or watch Raw, you've seen a Barry Horowitz match. So to yeah. have, have that happen was was such a really good like feel good moment for sure. Um, but no, I mean, uh, from all the all accounts, Barry Horowitz was absolutely loved by it by everyone backstage. He was a guy that you knew he could definitely put on a safe match, and if you were having a new guy come in, you would immediately put them in a match with with Barry because you know, completely safe, knew how to work in the ring, always make the guys look like a million bucks as well when they came in. Yep. Yep. Good I would choice. say the true unsung hero of the of the nineties WWF when especially when they were in the doldrums. Very true. I would I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I'd say as well. Yeah. Yeah. If, like, if yeah. SD Jones could be in there, I'd say why not? Why not make Barry Horowitz be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, come on, guys! You have the, 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 the honky tonk man is in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Barry we don't have Jim Johnston in the Hall of Fame, but you that have flipping Drew Carey in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> so no, no, I say no. Definitely the one of the best, the absolute one of the absolute pillars, the four pillars of jobbers, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. If you want to find matches. Have, go and seek the match against Skip, uh, where he wins. The match again, a match he had against the Undertaker in 1992, and another match uh, uh, in 95 against Hakushi, which he won. 
Nice. Oh, uh, sad I, for Hakushi. Uh, sad for Hakushi. I love the gimmick at that time for Baron Horowitz is that he was trying to make Hakushi understand more of American culture, but his Barry Horowitz's wardrobe was like cliched nerd, including the pocket protector. Basically, oh, he was a Jewish Steve Urkel. <laughs> I don't know that's a phrase I'd ever think that I would ever hear and also contextually understand. <laughs> but no, my number one choice, Barry Horowitz. Dan, what is your number one pick for best jobber? Um... Again, it's kind of something I feel a little bit conflicted about. There's kind of like one or two names that I've kind of thrown around here and there. Mm. Um, one name that I realized I forgot on my list, but I should have remembered, was Mike Jackson. Oh, yes! <laughs> um, who, again, basically well-known throughout his career for being a jobber. <laughs> uh, still occasionally wrestling now, which is crazy, because he's in his 70s. Yes, I know. <laughs> Lost my mind. Uh, the wrestler that I am going to go for is, again, someone who's had success outside of the context of mainline wrestling promotions and in other companies, etc., etc. I've said it before. <laughs> I'm going to go for George South. Yes! Oh, and my reasoning South. for this is basically if there's anyone that's a who's who of wrestling from like the 1980s mm. you know I'm talking like ooh 80 85 mm. to about 95 mm-hmm. he probably wrestled them yeah um, yeah. and I think if there's if there's ever one vote of confidence for a wrestler who is a jobber, uh, being told by Ric Flair that you're that he's your favorite journeyman wrestler to work against is probably the vote of confidence. Oh, yeah, that's one hell of a stamp of approval, isn't it? <laughs> but, you are the Flair approved jobber. But no, George yeah. South is. Yeah, I agree with you, man. What an incredible talent he is. Mm. Um, Absolutely, and such a staple name in 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 the lexicon of American rex- wrestling. Uh, yeah, Stout. I mean he's basically yeah. well known throughout the entire Southern wrestling canon, really. Yeah, uh, NWA, Jim Crockett, um, WCW, Smoky Mountain, Damn. Uh, and they basically wrestled a who's who of people. Yeah, mm. great choice, great choice. Um, again. Uh, I believe it's uh, obviously I had a match against Ric Flair, nineteen eighty-five. Um, he was, I believe, he was Owen Hart's first televised WWF match. I believe so. Um, plenty of matches in and around there. Mm. Um, yeah, the Great Muta. Yes, I remember that match. <laughs> uh, Lex Luger, Tatanka. Sorry, OSW. <laughs> um, basically, anyone else you can think of, it's probably on the list. Yeah, damn, damn. Great choice there, Dan. Great choice indeed. Reardon, your number one, your best jobber. 
I had to kind of do a bit of preamble on this one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it, no, it will make sense. It will make sense. We've talked a lot about, like, what counts as a jobber, what constitutes a jobber. I think I count him as a jobber, mm. definitely. And, but he is perhaps, he may not be the greatest jobber ever, but he is the the perfect jobber for the time. Mm. And that I have to give to the Attitude Errors, the Hurricane. I now, understand. I understand. I now, I am now. The interest, the fascinating thing about the Hurricane is that he's, he is the definition of Schrodinger's jobber because he could win matches. The only thing is, he would never win them like you like you think a person like a jobber would win a match. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's the he has the most bizarre kind of win streak, win loss streak of any wrestler we've talked about. I feel like saying it's like, it's like what Takamichinoku was. When he yeah, face yeah. heavyweights. Yeah. It's like, he's like, it's almost like the bigger opponent, like, it's almost like an inverse conversion of ninjutsu. Yeah. Where, <laughs> where the bigger the star, the more of a chance he has to win. Yes. The lower the star, he won't win. He straight up will not win. He will lose that. Like, if it's Hurricane versus the Godfather, the Godfather's gonna win. If it's the Hurricane versus The Rock, the Hurricane might win. And that's what I loved about him. Yeah. No, I I understand where you're coming from with this. I feel like, again, it's that weird... It's that thing I said before where it's like the... The way being a jobber worked changed. Yeah. Yeah. He's right in... You could argue that his, like... Because like, he, he can. Like, the, hurricane. the Hurricane, obviously, when they put him in matches in the Cruiserweight division, would win semi-regularly. Mm. But when he was outside that, he would lose. Yeah. And lose handedly. Yeah. Yes. Like, like a running gag of him attempting to chokeslam the big show. Yes. <laughs> it's one of the most, like, weirdest things. And then combined... With a superhero gimmick, which was which which made every single child, including myself, love him to pieces. I mean, well, it's like it's like I say to people, um, he was a top three merch seller for WWF. Yeah, yeah, which is something you can't say about a person who you who is a jobber. He's a jobber, like straight up. I mean, I I really want my Gilberg shirt, but we're never gonna get that anytime soon, are? No, you're not. I don't think so. You could buy a Hurricanes mask somewhere down the road. Oh, gosh, yes, you can. I mean, I'm guilty as charged for having at least four or five pieces of Hurricane merch in my time. Yeah, he is the definition of a lethal joke character. (laughs) Yeah. A character that everyone has to watch out until you don't, because he's the Hurricane. (laughs) And a great wrestler to boot. Yeah, I mean, come on, we've made it abundantly clear how much we love Gregory Helms. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he retweeted so, our Cruiserweight Division episode, so he knows. He knows. Yeah. So yeah. So shout out to you, the Hurricane, my favorite jobber of all time. Stand back. There is a hurricane coming through. Shane, you for will yep. forever be the man in our eyes here at Sweet Chin Whack. Nah, it's true. <laughs> okay, so we've done our best. We've talked and, and sung the praises of some of the best jobbers in the world. Now, with that comes the absolute worst. And oh boy, do I have some hung diggers of worst parts. So, the way I've gone about this with my one is I've gone for three choices with one of them... So one of going from the third of jobbers that really shouldn't have been jobbers to one being probably considered the worst jobber, but for me, in my eyes, he's so bad that he, that he's good, in a way. Okay. So, for my number three choice for worst jobber goes to Just Incredible. Now, hear me out on this one. Okay, yeah. PJ Palaco, I love the dude. He's an incredibly good, like, talented wrestler with such a wealth of knowledge. And, I mean, I think we made it, like, we've talked about it. We would love to get PJ on the show. Because he's, again, he has got such a wealth of knowledge and has such a wide history of his experiences in wrestling that he's genuinely such an interesting guy to listen to. The reason I bring up Justin is for this reason. With the reboot of, of ECW when WWE took over in 2006... Just Incredible had no right being a jobber at that time. Very true. Because here's a guy, former ECW champion, uh, during the turn of the century, was one of the guys in ECW, alongside Tommy Dreamer, the Sandman, Steve Carino. Just Incredible was the one of the top main event draws at that time. And of course, you know, he would go on to WWF, be part of X Factor... Um, of course, everyone knows his uh, time as Mondo uh, Aldo Montoya in the yep. new generation, the Portuguese man of war. <laughs> I guess you could say, in that sense, maybe he would be deserving of being in the job in that, as, as a jobber as well. Shout out there to Aldo Montoya. But the reason I put him as the worst, it's not because he's bad or that he was absolutely, you know, or, or you know, he was never a big draw or anything like that. He's an uber talented guy, terrific. But he had no right being a jobber in the reboot of ECW. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, but he did have great match. But saying that, he did have some great matches. He had a really good match against CM Punk in his debut. So even though he shouldn't have been there, he did what he was set out to do, and he did do a good job. All right, well, enough of my ramble there. I'm just trying to save. I'm just trying to say that because I would. I would in the future. I'd love to have PJ on the show. <laughs> 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 but Dan, what is your number three choice for worst jobber? Uh, my number three choice for worst jobber is a, I mean, all of mine are following that same that same vein of people who had no right to really be jobbers. Mm. Uh, I will say this third one is partially biased, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, as someone who spent so much time as a jobber and then did eventually have a moment to have his kind of flowers in a place that maybe people wouldn't expect, I'm going to go for Adam Flash. Yeah. Okay. 
um, basically was treated as a jobber everywhere he went to. And then he went to CZW, <laughs> <laughs> where he became one of the most important people from about 2002 to 2004. He became a god, basically, in CZW. <laughs> he became, like, one of the hottest people on the independent circuit. <laughs> and, like, it's just kind of... It's just weird to me. <laughs> but he was even considered a jobber, and then even and afterwards, he kind of got treated as one as well. Mm. Um, you know, and they had like that weird time in, um, in like TNA. Yeah. Um, and it just never really kind of, you know, really worked out for him mm. that much. Again, which is which is a shame. Um, but I will say, if you want a genuinely pretty good match, I'm saying it's a, it's a, it's a good match. <laughs> um, Adam Flash versus Nick Mondo versus Nick Burke for the Iron Man title. That's that is a really good match, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that I match bangs. That match really. Um, also. Um, uh, it was a match in IWA Mid-South and he was teaming with Sanjay Dutt. Uh, I can't remember who they faced. Um, but no. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing wrestler. Um, one of the kind of icons of that new era of, I guess, ultra-violent <laughs> wrestling and the, the cruiserweight division involved therein. Yeah. Um, and an absolutely great wrestler that deserves more attention, really. Absolutely. No, great choice for number three there, for sure, Dan. Uh, Reardon, number three choice, sir. So, I have... um, My three choices go through, like, in not in the order, but it's basically... Jobber that shouldn't have been one. Jobbers that I don't like. And my number one is a jobber in WWE, who is a good wrestler, who I cannot stand. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. For number three, as a jobber that shouldn't have been a jobber by all rights, and it hurts to say, it's Sin Cara. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But to be, to be honest, I think that was kind of the case from the moment that he came in and they were like, we made a mistake here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, will, so... I will say it was not Sin Cara's fault it was WWE's no, yeah. it's WWE's that's why I'm like he's number three it's nothing to do with Sin Cara apart from him botching <sighs> apart from the botches that's that's when it becomes is there any match you'd problem. recommend of his oh in the big if you can track down some of the matches he had at the beginning of his WWE career you could see um... that does does it count after they did the whole, you know, real Sinkara fake Sinkara stuff? Good question. Because then I because then I would say uh, it was New Day versus Usos versus Lucha Dragons TLC. Uh, yeah, now, yeah. That's, I mean, it technically have a it had a Sinkara in it. 
but I'm assuming it wasn't the Sin Cara we're talking about. I was going to say, are we talking Mystico Sin Cara or Hunico Sin Cara? I mean, because Mystico Sin Cara has to be the one we're talking about, sure. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which the even funnier bit about it is that in Mexico, he's seen as like a god of wrestling. Yeah. It's insane. It's just because the, because everything on WWE's end was so mishandled. Hmm. It is um, that everything that could go wrong did go wrong with Sin Cara. And honestly, well, I will I... say he is technically the only jobber to have ever had his own had his own ring lighting. True. I honestly feel like we should probably do a, a video on of the video. Yeah, we'll do a video. Screw it. You can do a do video something. on Sin Cara if you want to. Do something on Sin Cara because it's. It's one of the most bizarre stories in modern WWE history. There you go. A video, uh, a video set to the uh, to the song "Friendly Neighborhood Sin Cara." Something like that. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's a disappointment. It, he could have been so cool, and instead was a jobber and not a good one. And that's my number three. Good choice. Good choice. If a bit sad when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. So at number two. The, I, I guess you could say, the legend of the new generation. And a man that I'm pretty sure most people forgot. Do you chaps remember Salvatore Sincere? No. <laughs> Salvatore no. Sincere wrestled at WCW for a time as Johnny Gunn, but he was repackaged as a an Italian gangster who wore bright neon pink and white, but claimed to love everyone in a thick Italian accent, but he cheated to win. They this push- just sound. This just sounds like a worse. This just sounds like Pound Store Razor Ramon. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, he really was Pound Store Razor Ramon. Oh god. Uh, he was supposed to be billed as quite a big deal, but like a literally like two months. Seemed like two to three months in, they he went way down the pecking order and became enhancement talent. I think the most famous thing he had done was that around 1998, Mark Mero called him out by his real name, Tom Brandy. He got a little pop for having a little rivalry with Mark Mero, but then nothing happened and it was released. Like, I seriously, like, a lot of it was, like, Tom Brandy as a wrestler wasn't really that memorable. I mean, I mean, proven why you guys don't even remember Salvatore yeah. since <laughs> Um... But then they gave him the gimmick of a of a stereotypical mobster in WWE, and to, to kind He's of Italian. That's what we must do. <laughs> and it never worked because, of course, as we all know, Italians Italian mobsters wear bright neon pink and white. Yeah, I mean, it made The Sopranos a very difficult watch at points. <laughs> but all that being said, I can't really recommend much because most of his matches either have been lost to the ether of the t- of, of time or on the network um, but I guess the one thing, the one fun fact I can tell you about Salvatore Sincere is that he is a one time ECW tag team champion with Tommy Dreamer so there you go Thank you Tommy Dreamer <laughs> um, no, So my number two choice for a guy who was kind of so dull that not a lot of people remember him Salvatore Sincere Oh yeah, his finisher was called "Sincerely Yours" because, of course, it was. I mean, that's not bad. I don't, I don't hate that. <laughs> Dad, your number two choice. So, a number two. 
Uh, well, okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to mention um, one person who I think that we should be talking about more, and that is obviously Jimmy Wang Yang. Hell yeah. We should always be talking more about him because he's amazing and I love him, uh, including the Flying Elvises in TNA. One day when we're in America, we will rent his party bus. Yes. I will make that happen in some way. Um, <laughs> but no, he, he's amazing. Uh, but uh, on that same thread, for my number two pick, again, a wrestler that shouldn't have been a jobber, Funaki. Oh yeah, I did. Man. I did not even consider him. Yeah, SmackDown's number one announcer, everybody. Absolutely criminal that Funaki went from where he did to then becoming a jobber for years. Uh, Fair play to the guy. He had a very long career in the WWE. Yeah, and by all accounts. Lovely guy. Um, I believe he's now the Japanese liaison for the WWE. Yeah, yeah, he is. So he's still working there, so he must be doing something, right? Yeah. Uh, even if he had that horrible Kung Fu Nucky gimmick. Yeah, so that was going to be one thing that I was going to talk about, which is obviously Kung Fu Nucky, which is wrong. Give a Japanese man a Hong Kong gimmick. Yeah, it just... Because <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't it, Rita? <laughs> um but no there's like the thing is is that when you know the bits about funaki before he came to wwf because mm. like for, for 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 reference people that don't know this he trained as a shoot wrestler <laughs> yeah i did not know that at all he was he was in he was in battle arts, like and and Michinoku Pro. Like that guy had genuine like skills. Like he was he was an and intimidating there, there's, guy. There's a story about him. I can't remember who. I can't remember specifically who it was about, but he he was training. Um, you know, with some with some wrestlers in the back, and. And did a did like a a shoot hold, but like converted to be safe for wrestling. Mm. Mm. And then all of a sudden, everyone was like, "How do you do that?" <laughs> and people were like, "No, no, technically on the mat, he could probably take most people here." <laughs> wow. He was no joke. And it's it, it's incredible, isn't it? That that dichotomy of being a, a an incredibly gifted grappler to then being like one of the the sillier the sillier acts in in, in your company. Versati like, it shows versatility, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, but no, like genuinely, he's such a good wrestler, and he does have. Uh, good matches in here and there just kind of scattered around mm. the place i mean you think about the caliber of people he was facing as well but there's a great match between um uh funaki and nunzio uh, for oh, the cruiserweight yes. title um more on him later um <laughs> ray mysterio 
there's a match between Ultimo Dragon and Funaki in WWE. That match is great, by the way. Like, and it's an amazing match. Billy Kidman as well, Tajiri, um, so much great stuff. No. So much, um, so much great work. Um, also, as well, the uh, it's the. I believe it was the Cruiserweight Open match, uh, which was Funaki. I remember I remember Funaki was obviously in it. Uh, I believe it also had Kid Cash and Gregory Helms. Yes. Uh, which is, uh, uh, again, no right being as good as it is given the position <laughs> it was put on the card. Yeah. Um, but no, an amazing wrestler. There's so much great stuff about him. Um, I highly recommend anyone to go through and look up stuff about him um and if you're interested look up battle arts as well <laughs> yes no highly recommend you look up battle arts um it's part of the reason why uh anthony corelli old santino morella opened a, uh, an academy in canada uh it's because it's a legit it is a legit uh, uh, uh battle arts are a legit real legit and highly recommended company a well reputed a uh, reputation as well uh yep it's what you get when you when you know your head guy is Yuki Ishikawa, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Reardon, your number two pick for worst jobber. My number two pick is is they then they have had no thing. They have had nothing that I've enjoyed. There's nothing that I've, I've hated, which is what gets them to number two instead of number one. But they've done nothing that I enjoyed, and I always always dislike seeing them and that is the tag team jobbers known as crime time uh, yeah yeah i mean there's nothing else that i really to say yeah. at this point other than just repeating the fact that crime time never getting the tag titles is criminal yeah i guess but i never liked them no you're totally valid in that I just but they should have and yeah, I would have like vehemently disliked it if they did. Yeah, it's one of those weird ones. Just this, literally, just gangsters. Not even fun. Like, I have no real nothing really to speak about with them because they just annoy the piss out of me. I have more to speak about the next guy. Yeah, but. <laughs> Uh, they're just, they are just a waste of they they're the only, they should maybe they should be number one because they're just honest to god a waste of my time and i hate to say that it sounds so much harsh but i honestly honestly dislike them yeah i mean would you i guess would you say it would is it the gimmick and the character uh, as well yeah it's that yeah oh, that doesn't that doesn't help at all mm. i feel as well i feel like shad uh, God bless you, Shad. God bless Shad. Mm. And JTG. I feel like maybe they they weren't as seasoned when they got called up to the main roster as they could have been. Uh, I feel like they really... Uh, JTG especially is really more of his hit his strides uh, being in the NWA. I feel like the, the, yeah. the, the wrestler he is now is so well removed from the wrestler he was back in 2010. He is such a better worker now than he ever has been. Uh, I feel the same went f for Shad. I mean, he ended up having a terrific career as a motion capture actor. Um, yeah. 
uh, and you know he was the body he was the uh, the body model for Kratos in God of War so <laughs> so it's just, these two guys were incredibly were incredibly talented dudes it's just a shame that they you know I feel like maybe were a little bit too you know got called up a little too soon and they were lumbered with a gimmick that really didn't show off their best that they showed off their best character traits I'd say and their best in ring work. Mm, yeah. Is it fair to say that? Would you say I'd that? say no. That's fair to say. That's fair to say. Would you recommend any match we <laughs> during that time of, of crime? I, honestly, I don't remember much on them apart from that they whip people with chains. I, you could find that. There's probably plenty of clips clips on that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Maybe the yeah uh, yeah. I, I get you, man. I get you. No, um, I, 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 so, uh, a choice I didn't even think about, but a good choice nonetheless, dude. A good yeah. choice nonetheless. Alrighty then. I'm, I'm going to get straight into it. My number one, uh, worst jobber. A man who is so bad in every facet of his career that he is good. I'm not even going to give him too much of an introduction because he's coming for that fuck money. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's Virgil. <laughs> oh Virgil Oh Virgil Oh what's to say about Virgil that already hasn't been said I mean like Brian Zane really did a whole know. video on, yeah. on Virgil <laughs> Mike Jones man a, a guy who for all intents and purposes was uh, had a very good start to his career um, a lot of people thought that he you know did, uh, you know was on the road to greatness uh uh, he had a great uh, foundation uh, in uh, being an amateur wrestler, uh, working at the CWA in Memphis. Uh, until then, he got signed in 1986 as Ted DiBiase's bodyguard, Virgil. He would then, of course, have that moment we talked about a couple of episodes ago where he would uh, turn on DiBiase and then forge his singles career. And then it's then that everyone found out that he was not a great wrestler. <laughs> Because <laughs> what he would do with shadow box, and then maybe just maybe do a suplex, but then again he couldn't cut a promo to save his life as well. Oh. But say what you will, and I said he was so bad, but I can't I can't be compelled to not like Virgil's <laughs> Virgil for being so bad. He's good. No, I understand exactly what you're saying. Just a couple of weeks you. ago, this man had a game release on the Apple Store. Okay, well, you need to tell me about this because I didn't even know about this. I think it's some sort of endless runner. I can't remember what the... I feel like the game is called... I think it's Soul Man Jones or something like Soul Man something. But yeah, he, he recently just had a game. Out. Okay, I'm going to investigate this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can definitely tell. All right, I guess you can appreciate the guy's hustle for going to yeah. every swap meet comic. I was going to say, when it comes to hustle, I can't, I can't, I can't, like talk it down. He's got hustle. Uh, for every little appearance, yeah, he makes the money. I mean, I mean, the famous uh, thing a month ago, of course, when Brooke <laughs> yeah. Hogan asked for a photo, and he said, "Yeah, twenty-five dollars." <laughs> based <laughs> but no I can't really say much about that already hasn't been said but he is probably the worst he is the worst guy because he was supposed to have a big push 
But then they found out the guy couldn't wrestle or couldn't talk to save his life. So there you go. He ended it's up becoming Jabba like, Supreme. It's almost like they should have like asked or trained him. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Right up it was the it. 80s, Rian. It was a different time. It was. Oh, unbelievably different time. If he was called Virgil, Vincent, Shane, Mike Jones, Soul Train, or Curly Bill of the Re- of the West Texas Rednecks, Virgil will always be the worst jobber in professional wrestling. <laughs> Dan, your number one worst jobber. Uh, again, following my theme of people that absolutely shouldn't have been jobbers, it's Nuncio. Yes. Um, yes. Not a.k.a. James Maritato. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could count the FBI in WWE, really. Little Guido? Inclu- uh, Little Guido as well. You, like I said, you could include the whole of the FBI, including Tracy Smothers and uh, Tony Mameluke. Does it, still, it still makes me laugh that Tracy Smothers was part of the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's Italian. <laughs> exactly. Um, see, this is one of those cases of People only know a lot of people only know Maritado for his time either in ECW or in WWE. Mm. If they know him for ECW as well, they will know he is a very good wrestler. Absolutely. He is among some of the best technical wrestlers on that ECW roster at the time. I would dare to go hold for hold with the best. Excepting maybe Taz. Yeah, I mean, he, he. I mean, I'll put it to you this way: he was, he was just as good as Malenko. And that's the thing: people don't acknowledge this. People don't remember it, or they don't even know about it in the first place. Yeah. Because, like, obviously in WWE, they're like, "Haha, he is short. He's like five seven. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you can just lose to people all the time. Maybe have a little bit of time in the cruiserweight division, or we'll bring out the FBI for something funny. Take a last ride by Taker, because the vision yeah. of that is awesome. <laughs> but this man was so much more than they let him be. Yeah, it's so sad when I'm there and I'm seeing that, and then I'm like, this man was putting on some of the most memorable matches in ECW. Mm. and that he's being treated like this um for context around some of them there's an amazing i believe triple threat match uh of nuncio versus tony mameluke versus tajiri in ecw Mm. go out of your way to find it also tajiri versus tajiri versus nuncio one uh one-on-one um has both some of the most innovative spots yes but also some of the best pieces of just like combining their two styles together. Oh, that is. And it's so criminal that people don't know about these matches. Such a good match. I implore anyone to go out and watch that match of, uh, of Guido versus Tajiri. Um, as myself and Sam have spoken up before on uh, Apron Bump, James Maritato versus Tony Mameluke in Ring of Honor 2002. <sighs> Oh. It's basically a shoot wrestling match. It is. It's so and good. And it's so good. Um, him as well in, I believe it was UWF. I think it might have been, if, if it's the one I think you're uh, thinking about. Um, which, which, again, is so crazy a match. 
Mm. Um, and like he's again, he's still kind of occasionally going now and doing stuff and training up the next generation of wrestlers, and it's just like I said, it is just so sad mm. that that was all they let him be. And they're just like, hey, he's an ECW guy. Hey, he's here to lose. Also, as well, um, Nuncio versus Jamie Noble. Great match. Like, late 2002. Great. Fantastic match. There's so many great matches with him in it. Again, the tag matches in ECW with the FBI. um, Just those solo matches as well against the likes of, like, Tajiri um and people like that that were in the company mm. um that you owe it to yourself to watch more of him and realize that he wasn't just a cruiserweight jobber yeah fantastic choice i mean and for the right reasons of like being like the guy that should never have been a jobber in the first i like yeah. the way you went about it with your list of the worst ones for sure, Dan. I just went with yeah. well, the obvious choice of Virgil, but no, no, you put you put. I mean, you put in a lot of thought on that one, and no, I I'm I'm glad you did because man, people need to know more about the three that you that you picked. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Reardon, your number one choice, the worst jobber in your eyes. A worst jobber in my eyes is he's a guy who is a he's a the perfect storm of a jobber i hate in that he is actually talented has been around for years and yet in all of that time i don't think i have ever enjoyed him and that man is our truth <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> here we are and here we are everybody I. He's the what thirty-one time twenty-four-seven champion. I've never enjoyed a single thing he's done. Oh, it's wow. Which and I, 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 there's no, there's no like nice way of me saying that. Yeah. There's no nice way, and I, I, I specify, um, I specify our truth because I actually can't remember much of his stuff in TNA mm-hmm. where he was Ron Killings. But as our truth, I, I, I again, there's no easy way. To, I straight up find him offensive. I straight up find him offensive, and it's like the fact that he's lasted this long is unbelievable. From for all, me. Like, for all in, uh, from all accounts, Vince absolutely finds. Uh, r-truth hilarious and loves having yeah. him around yeah i've heard that uh there is a very famous picture of them two laughing their heads off if you've if you know that picture yeah it's i, I get it's what you good. mean man because i know i know what you mean i, I know love, what you mean entirely well, i love ron the truth killings like if mm. you've at beginning of tna ron the truth killings is an absolute freaking beast of a man and here's the thing, and I agree with you, Reardon, man. Like, what a fantastic repertoire of moves the man has. Even at yeah. his age, he's still incredibly yeah. agile. <laughs> yeah. 
and that makes it worse. Yeah. yeah. It makes it so. It'd be it'd be one thing if he was a Virgil, who because if he was a Virgil, he wouldn't have lasted this long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but he's still going around and still doing the same thing like three yeah. years after the fact at this point. Yeah. Yeah. If I hear one more thing about little Jimmy, I think I will scream. I. So I'm guessing you didn't like that uh, that that promo between Miz Christian and and R Truth where they went Randy Riley Jimmy. Nah, I bet not. <laughs> how about the how about the time he just started smoking at ringside? I. It's, it's, it gets to a level for me. Yeah. It really gets to a level of I am done seeing this. It, it, he is the, to be honest with you, he's the closest wrestler to me who is pure X Park Heat. I have, like, every, every time. But they, no, it's not even X Park Heat because X Park Heat is, specifies that he has to actually be bad. <laughs> It's just, he's a level of like, I just straight up can't take him anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't see him anymore. The, thing, the thing I've always said about R-Truth is that uh, I've always seen it as he's a very good wrestler that isn't allowed to be a good wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. It's, like, yeah. So, Reardon, I feel like potentially... Maybe, possibly, we may have to dedicate an entire episode on the man soon. Maybe sooner than people would think. Yes. <laughs> the, that death foreshadowing of my rabid hatred of our truth. It's just the shadow appearing from behind you. <laughs> you know what? The, with the ultra instinct music playing in the background. Yeah. I, I want, I, I desperately... That this will be that will be your the hardest um, the hardest podcast to date for you because you're gonna have to fucking convince me of of this man's talents after our what feels like a lifetime of hate. Well, because here, here's the thing, right? Um, I'm trying to remember who it was that said it about our. There was something someone said about our truth. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was something. It was something along the lines of, "Is our truth funny, or has WWE convinced us that what our truth does is funny?" Yeah, convince me. No, <laughs> that's all I can say about I don't that. Think, I don't think he's convinced a lot of people, to be quite honest, myself included. Yeah. I have like what eight years and convinced me. I'm done. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm I feel like it's more tired. its more of a statement around WWE fans. Yeah. I... Very true. Very true. Well, that, that is it. That's my worst jobber. That's my <laughs> worst jobber. So that, that, ladies and gentlemen, is a way to, to end this on the best and worst jobbers. Oh, that was a journey and a half. Quite an emotional one, if you ask me. <laughs> oh, that is emotional. Get still on a deep level, a deep on-site level when it comes to our truth. So there we go. So all I'll say is, Reardon, you better bottle up that all of that um, because uh, uh, even though I foreshadowed it, it's coming a lot sooner than you think. Because on the next episode, 
we will be doing the R Truth retrospective. <laughs> Bring it. Bring it. So everybody, it. I've got to try and convince Reardon that Rob the Truth Killings is worth watching, <laughs> but not R Truth. That's your that is that is your goal. That's the goal of that of, of Have that you podcast. seen that image? Alright, where we're here. Have you seen that really really <laughs> Awesome image of R Truth and with a flat top meeting Tupac Shakur. Yes, yes, I love that image so much. It's the it's one of the most out there images, but you can't help but go. That's actually really awesome. <laughs> well, because it's the thing. This. Like, it's the it's the thing I've said to people is that people don't realize how old R Truth actually is. <laughs> yeah, the guy's been this. around for a long no. time. Sam, 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 I say this with a full chest and with an, a full heart. God. You what, mate? <laughs> I, I will, me and Dan will hunt this image down after we're done with this recording to oh, prove yeah. this. But no, that is an actual image that went about. I have got to convince Reardon in this next week's episode to talk about K-Quick, Run the Truth Killings, his run as NWA World Champion. Uh, to then kind of being uh, in the in the tag team with uh, he's the parakeet, the parakeet, the parakeet man Jones. <laughs> to then, of course, his return to WWE as our truth, which is it's going to be a, a very um, it's going to be an emotional roller coaster, isn't it? That emotion is just just pure rage. <laughs> Until next week, then. <laughs> I have been Sam. This has been Dan and Rin, and you've been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. Hopefully, we'll see you on the next one. <laughs> Bye, everybody. It's only because this is my job. It's the only reason. Only reason. Judges.